You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Can we do one more for Jesus for all the celebrating? That's who we're celebrating here today. Oh, he deserves better than that. There we are. Yes. Listen, before you sit down, just tell somebody real quick, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) I'm Pastor Darrell. I'm one of the associate campus pastors here. I want to share this uh, Christmas story with you. One of my favorite Christmases is when I was 11 years old and all year long, I'd been researching for this keyboard that I wanted. I knew I was only going to get one present, so I made sure that this was the one present that I wanted. I researched all year to get this keyboard. I told my father about it. I wrote it down because he's forgetful. Like, Daddy, this is the one I want. What you want? I want this one. This is the keyboard. So with great anticipation, I waited for the keyboard, and I knew I was going to get the keyboard. So on Christmas Eve, it was Christmas morning at this time, my brother had kind of hinted that I'd gotten this keyboard. So at four o'clock in the morning after my parents went to sleep, I snuck out of my bedroom, went upstairs, and I saw a box that looked like a keyboard. And so I grabbed that box, and I carefully opened that box. Lo and behold, inside that box, was a keyboard, but it was not the keyboard I asked for. It wasn't the keyboard I asked for, and I I took it downstairs to my brother, and my brother tried to encourage me and tried to tell me this keyboard was even better than the one that I asked for, but this was not what I asked for. But we start playing around with it at four o'clock in the morning. My, my parents' bedroom was right above our bedroom, and so eventually my father hears us, and he comes walking down the stairs and says, hey! put that keyboard back in the box and put it back under the tree. Took the keyboard back upstairs and I went to sleep and I was kind of down and sad about it. I woke up the next morning and I opened up this keyboard and started to play with it. It's a Yamaha PSR 32. Little keyboard, it had 32 sounds that were stackable to 96 sounds. I even found out a way that I could record a vocal into the keyboard. I did all, learned all this stuff about the keyboard. Turns out that this keyboard was better than the one that I asked for. My father, who knew me and he knew what my calling was, knew that the keyboard that he got me was better than the keyboard that I wanted. This keyboard became the beginning of my producing, and I started to do tracks and and make music on this keyboard. And it it took me, I used this keyboard for years to write songs and write songs to God and, and to be published and all this kind of stuff. I love this keyboard, but it was not the keyboard that I asked for. I think Often we find ourselves praying for things and hoping for circumstances to align with our desires and we think we know what's best for us 
and what will make our lives complete. But God in his divine wisdom offers us not what we want, but he gives us exactly what we need. He gives us something so much better, something so far more profound, something far more transformative than we could ever have imagined. This is the birth of Jesus. He is the gift that we didn't even know we wanted, but God in his infinite understanding knew it precisely what we needed. He knew that we needed the gift of salvation. He knew that we needed redemption. He knew that we needed an intimate relationship with him. And this isn't the gift that we thought we wanted, but it was the very gift that our souls craved because Jesus is the answer to our deepest need. Whether you recognize it or not, Jesus is the answer to our deepest need. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus is the gift that we didn't even know we needed. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about Jesus, this gift, this gift of unmatched love, because in the hustle and bustle of life and in the holiday season, it's easy for us to lose sight of the real reason we celebrate because either we forget who we are celebrating or we don't know who we are celebrating. Have you ever tried to purchase a gift for somebody you don't know? Like a secret Santa or something? And they didn't match you up with somebody you don't even spend time with? You don't like it? I don't prefer secret Santa. Just give me open Jesus. I don't want nothing secret. <laughs> but you would sooner just give them a, a gift card or something like that, but it's almost impossible to shop for someone that way because when, but when you are truly intimate with someone, it's important that you celebrate them in the way that illustrates your relationship. Intimacy is not simply the awareness of someone, it is the increasing relational knowledge you have of them. So these next few moments, we're gonna talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the purpose, the person, and the power of Christmas. So let's talk about the person of Christmas. The person of Christmas is, oh, y'all got to say it like you mean it, like you even know. The person of Christmas is, it's Jesus Christ. It's not Santa Claus. It's not Rudolph. It's not the snowman. It's Jesus Christ. His name in Hebrew is Yeshua. His name means Savior. His name means the Lord is salvation. Jesus is not just a baby in a manger. He is the one who redefines everything. Jesus Christ is the game changer. He's the disruptor of the ordinary. He's not just a figure from history. He's the living, breathing embodiment of God's love and grace. He is God come down in human flesh. Jesus. In Luke 2.11, it defines him as the Messiah. He's the Messiah, Messiah, the Lord. He's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. The young people say, he's him. Yeah, he's him. He's Adonai, Lord Almighty. He's El Shaddai, God Almighty. He's El Elyon, God Most High. He's Elohim, God our Creator. And he's Emmanuel, God with us. This means he's not a distant spectator. He is the divine presence actively involved in every part of our journey. It's Jesus. Isaiah 9 and 6, he says it like this. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting 
everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. Say that with me. Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful is actually translated from a Hebrew word that means Pele. Pele means miracle. God is a miracle Counselor. The word Pele is only, it's only used when it's talking about things that are impossible for humans to do. Pele, it is the same word used when the angel comes to uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah and he's told Sarah, you're going to have a child in your old age. And Sarah laughs and the angel says, is God not Pele? Can God not do miraculous things in your life? Listen, you need a miracle counselor. Miracle counselor. Studies have shown that one out of five people need psychiatric help. One out of five needs psychiatric help. I'm one of them. And if you look on your row, there's at least two of you. And understand this, I, I, I believe in psychiatrists, I believe in psychology, I love psychology, I've studied it, I got a degree in it, all that kind of stuff. I think it's important. I think that there are people who are gifted and who are talented to help you dive into the areas in your life that you can't see on your own. But understand this, there are some things that happen deep down inside of you that there's no gift or no talent that can get there. You need a miracle counselor. There's some stuff that happens down in you that you can't even articulate. You need a miracle counselor. There are some areas in your life that only Jesus can get to. There's no level of training, no level of giftedness that can cure. It is only Jesus that can reach that part of your life. You need a miracle counselor. You need flawless, supernatural guidance, direction, and purpose that can only come through the divine intervention of Jesus Christ. He's the miracle counselor. So he calls him miracle counselor. Then he says he's mighty God. Say mighty God. Oh, say it like you mean it. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God means that I acknowledge and I am aware of his unparalleled strength. Our God, our Savior is a mighty God, which means he's not weak or indifferent. He's mighty. He holds the power to transform in his hands. He can conquer any enemy. He can change any moment in your life. He can flip you from one side to another. He can take a broken situation and make it a healed situation just like that. Why? Because he's a mighty God. What's amazing is that this might and this strength is wrapped up in love, a love that pursues us, a love that surrounds us, and a love that transforms us. His mightiness is a refuge. It's a strong tower where we find safety and shelter when the storms of life rage around us. He is a mighty God. Then he says he's an everlasting father. Say it with me, everlasting father. Few words in any language evoke the kind of feelings we have when we hear the words father. For some of us, when we hear the words father, we think great things because we had a great father. For some of us, we feel a sense of loss this Christmas season, either because we had fathers who were wonderful and are no longer with us, or because we have unfulfilled longings for the kind of father we never had. 
Sadly, the word father does not always bring up or connote the right word. Sometimes the word father connotes distance, aloof, passive, absent, unreliable, selfish, uncaring, and cruel. But Jesus is known as the Father, which means he's compassionate, kind, loving, present, steadfast, selfless, caring, and merciful. He is the everlasting Father, and Jesus does what only a father can do. Jesus, he takes away our guilt and our shame, and he opens the door to forgiveness and everlasting life. He's not just an everlasting Father, but he's everlastingly a Father to those who trust him. Then he says, you are, he is the Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus hit the scene, Isaiah writes about the king who will come. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father, and he's the Prince of Peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace because he is the only one who can bring you true peace and restoration. He's the only one that can bring you redemption and reconciliation between us and God. He's called the priest, the Prince of Peace because he is the only one that can provide an assurance of eternal life. We live in a perpetual war between good and evil. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace because he offers peace in the midst of war which mostly happens between your ears. The unraveled peace that we most experience happens in our mind. That's where the battle begins. But Jesus is presented as the Prince of Peace because he is the solution to our broken thoughts. When I thought about this word, I struggled with it for years, wondering why is he called the Prince of Peace and not the King? Of peace. I mean, it is Jesus, by the way. But among, after further study, what I learned is that prince is not in an order of royalty. It's not king, queen, prince. In the Roman Empire, the emperor was known as the principus, which means he was the principal in charge of everything. So when it's calling Jesus the Prince of Peace, it's saying Jesus is the Chief Executive Officer of Peace. It's saying that Jesus is the Sovereign Keeper, he's the orchestrator, and he's the giver of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And in John 14 and 27, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. And in just in case you're not sure, he says, my peace. I leave with you. This is not circumstantial peace. This is my peace. You can't get this peace anywhere else. You can't buy it. You can't bargain for it. You can't find it in anything or anybody else but in me. This is my peace. My peace is the kind of peace that even if the house is burning down, you still calm. Why? Because you know you serve a great God. And guess what? You're getting a new house. My kind of peace is the kind of peace that even though your kids might be acting a fool, I could still know my God is still in control. My kind of peace is the peace that even though my money is it's funny, I know God is going to take care of me because he said in his word that I will provide all your need according to my riches. It's that kind of peace. It's the kind of peace that even when the storms of life are raging, Jesus can sleep on a pillow in a boat even while there's water in the boat. He says, it's this kind of peace that I give to you, that even when you're up to your knees in water, I got you. 
I got you. I love this piece because Jesus says, it might look like you're drowning, but you won't. There might be water in the boat, but you won't die. Why? Because you're with me. And I'm not gonna drown myself. God's peace is not the absence of storms or conflict. God's peace is the comfort of his presence. When he's with me, I have no need and no reason to be afraid. So this is the person of Christmas. This is Jesus Christ. Then what is the purpose of Christmas? The purpose of Christmas is love incarnate. It is love, grace, and truth in the flesh. The purpose of Christmas is that God came down and he put on human skin so that he can hang with us, so that he could be with us. The purpose of Christmas goes beyond a baby in a manger and it extends all, all the way to the cross. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever accepts him as Lord and Savior, whoever says that I'm going to align my life with your will to these people, he will give eternal life. So Christmas is the demonstration of God's love in its purest form. It's a love that stooped down from the heavenly realms to dwell among us. Christmas is not just a random event on a calendar. It's a divine interruption in the course of human history. God sent his son on a rescue mission to bridge the gap between the sacred and the secular, to bridge the gap between our brokenness and his perfection. Not because we deserve it, because you ain't that fine. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Romans 5 and 8, he says, while you were yet sinners, while you were messed up, while you were still cussing everybody out, while you were still thinking you were the own king, your own king on your own throne, while you were making all these foolish decisions, while, while, I'm talking to you, while you, me, while we was doing all that stuff, he says, I see you, Daryl, and you a messed up dude, and I'm going to die for you because I love you. I see your brokenness, I see your hurt, I see your pain, I see all that stuff, I see you, you, your rebellion, and I love you, and I'm willing to die for you. This is why we celebrate the purpose of Christmas is this redemption and this restoration, and it's a radical realignment of our lives. It's God breaking into the messiness of our world and bringing healing and hope and everlasting life. Christmas is God saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to come where you are and die for you so that we can be in relationship together. That's Christmas. That's the purpose of Christmas. And then there's the power of Christmas. The power of Christmas is transformation and renewal. The power of Christmas. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul declares that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. He's been made new. The old, has come, old is gone and the new is here. The power of Christmas is the reality that it can change us and transform us from the inside out. 
It is the power to heal broken hearts. It is the power to reconcile broken relationships, the power to break the chains of addiction and unforgiveness and to heal the deepest wounds and to bring light to the darkest areas of our lives. The birth of Christ unleashed power that shattered the chains of sin and death and darkness, but mostly, mostly the birth of Jesus brought with it the promise of forgiveness and restoration, freedom and eternal life to all who believe. This is the power of Christmas. The person is Jesus Christ. We put him above everything. The person is Jesus Christ. He is the lamb. He is the light of the world. That's, that's why we lit the candle during the song because Jesus is the brightest light in the darkest of our world. He's the precious lamb, the purpose of Christmas is that he came down. He did not have to, but he did. He was so relentless in having a relationship with us that he says, I'm going to leave heaven so that I can come and hang with you and take on all your issues and take all your stuff and, and nail it to a cross and leave it there. And the power of Christmas is that when we accept him, our lives are changed for it. Ever. Your eternity is at stake. This is not just a cosmetic transformation. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you surrender your body, your soul, your mind, and your will to him. And I bet right now, if I asked for it, there are some people in the room, some people who are watching. If I asked you if this was the best decision that you've ever made, I'm sure you'd make some noise for Jesus. There is no greater decision than to accept the gift that you didn't even know you needed. There is no greater decision than to have Jesus be a part of your life. That's why we surrender. So I, my prayer today is that this is more than just a festive occasion, but this is a sacred moment for us to surrender to the person, the, pers the purpose, and the power of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ. My prayer is that today and every day that we make Jesus the center of our celebrations, that Jesus is the focal point of our joy and the reason for our gratitude. I'm going to ask you to do something for me here in a moment. If that's you, I want to tell you, first of all, it is no coincidence that you're here right now. There's no coincidence that you're watching this right now because God has been tapping on your heart. You think you're here because somebody just invited you. You might even think you're here because you only show up to church on Easter and Christmas anyway. Nope. God orchestrated this moment so he could talk to you. He orchestrated this moment so that he could get your attention. So I'm going to ask everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. And if that's you and you know that the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart and you know that you need to make a decision to accept the greatest gift ever, you know that you don't want to go into a, not just another year, you don't want to go into another day, another moment without accepting Jesus into your life. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Say, yep, that's me. I see those hands. That's me. That's me. Yep, I see a 
Keep those hands up, just real quick. Yep, I see you. Leave those hands up. God sees you. With open arms, he's inviting you to be a part of his life. We're going to say this prayer together all over the room. Say, today, I receive you as my greatest gift. I acknowledge your power, and I accept your love, and I align my life with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you made that decision, welcome to the family. And we're going to try that one more time because that's not how we celebrate new people around here. If you just celebrate the new people, celebrate someone who just gave their life to Jesus. Listen, if that's you and you just gave your life to Jesus, whether you've committed or recommitted your life to him, there's a card probably on your seat or you received on the way in. I want you to pull that card out right now. I want you to write your name on that card. Write your name on that card and just a little bit of information because we want to connect with you because you can't do this by yourself. We were never meant to walk alone. We're meant to walk with each other. So we want to connect with you. We're going to leave this in a, in a bucket or you can bring it actually down to the altar. We're going to be down here praying for people as we always do. We're also going to continue in worship. We want to get these from you, but we're also going to continue in worship because we ain't done. The best thing that we can do is worship God on Christmas. It is the, it is the greatest gift we can give back to him other than our lives, than, than open up our mouths and say, God, this is for you. This is, this is bigger than lights. This is bigger than candles. This is bigger than trading gifts. My worship is what I bring to you. Amen? So I'm going to ask you all to stand and rest on your feet. We're going to sing this song together. Y'all ready? Can I just close this moment with a prayer? Gracious Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every soul. Thank you for every soul that's in this place, God. And we thank you for those who made a commitment or a recommitment today right now. For all of those that are putting their names on their card, whether they raised their hand or not, God, you know them and you know their heart. God, we're praying for that you shine your light on them. You create legacy through them beyond these walls, beyond these doors, that you do great things through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.